This is AgriPulse Daybreak West for Tuesday, September 6th. Good morning, I'm Jeff Daly. Here's today's headlines. Groundwater bill dropped. Ag Tech Hub gets $65 million. An FTC chair calls for crackdown. Groundwater bill had wide support, but not from its author. A bill seeking more regulatory review on new groundwater wells quietly died in the legislature this week. AB 2201 passed the Assembly in May in the Senate last Monday, but Assemblymember Steve Bennett of Ventura did not bring the measure up for a final vote in the Assembly, owing to committee amendments earlier in the month that softened the measure. Farm and business groups, however, retained their opposition and were disappointed the amendments did not address all their concerns. They argued it would impose significant costs at Meyer counties and local water agencies in legal challenges. Remember, the bill was rooted in Governor Newsom's request to solidify his March executive order permanently into state water code. And on that note, President Biden is strongly supporting AB 2183 on farm worker union elections. He reasoned that it would allow more opportunities to organize and collectively bargain. Government should work to remove, not erect, barriers to workers organizing, said Biden at a statement over the weekend. A hub for the ag tech workforce awarded $65 million grant. The Fresno Merced Future of Food Innovation F3 Coalition received $65 million workforce development grant on Friday from the American Rescue Plan dollars. It was the highest award to the 21 winners in the national challenge. The F3 Coalition aims to improve job quality and productivity for farm workers by helping them gain new skills to handle emerging technologies in the industry and to create upward mobility for them. The coalition includes UC Merced, the California Farm Workers Foundation, and industry leaders like California Fresh Fruit Association, along with local governments and philanthropies. California Senator Dianne Feinstein chaired the announcement, saying it only makes sense that California is leading the way on modernizing our nation's agriculture sector. Mike Gallo, the CEO of Joseph Gallo Farms and a member of the State Board of Food and Ag, celebrated the award for recognizing the value of his region. Our local communities can greatly benefit from investments in education, increased training, and the upscaling of agricultural workforce, said Gallo. Lawmakers, well, they're gearing up for pre-election rush. The Senate is back in action this week in Washington as lawmakers prepare to clear a to-do list in time to get a home to campaign ahead of the midterm elections. Uh, Wednesday shaping up to be an especially busy day this week. The Senate Finance Committee is scheduled to vote on the nomination of USDA Advisor Doug McCallop to be the Biden administration's chief agriculture trade nominee. He should easily advance to a floor vote. The Senate Environment and Public Works Committee will have a hearing on a bill that would permanently bar the Environmental Protection Agency from regulating greenhouse gas emissions from livestock. Full House is not in action this week, but a House Education and Labor Subcommittee will have a hearing on child farm workers. Now, for more on those events and the rest of this week's D.C. agenda, you can read our Washington Week Ahead. U.S. Trade Representative reports strong industry support to keep China tariffs. 
more than $300 billion worth of Section 301 tariffs on Chinese imports imposed by the Trump administration. They'll stay in place for now because there's support from U.S. industries that benefit from them, that according to the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative. The tariffs that played a major role in the China trade war and spurred retaliatory tariffs on mostly U.S. agriculture exports could have expired automatically over the past two months, but that didn't happen because U.S. industries argued against it. That according to the U.S. Trade Representative, which says it is now preparing to conduct a review of the tariffs. So what happens now? Well, the USTR says to stay tuned because details of the next steps in the four-year review process will be set out in subsequent notices. In May, USTR asked U.S. companies that benefit from the tariffs to send the agency their opinions on whether the tariffs should expire. But soon, USTR will ask additional feedback, including opinions of consumers. Keep in mind... U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai told lawmakers at a June hearing before a Senate Appropriations Subcommittee that she believes the tariffs make the U.S. more competitive with the Chinese. The China tariffs are, in my view, a significant piece of leverage, and a trade negotiator never walks away from leverage, Tai said at the hearing. Well, kids are getting more fruit and vegetables after nutrition law. The nation's schools are getting considerably more fruits and vegetables and less red meat, poultry, and cheese from USDA. That since passage of a child nutrition law in 2010. It's a key finding of a study by the USDA's Economic Research Service. The study looked at distribution of food before and after passage of the Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act that required USDA to increase nutrition standards for school lunch and breakfast. According to the study, 15% of USDA foods entitlement funds were used on fruits and vegetables in 2017 compared to just 6% in 2012. Conversely, about 60 to 70% of USDA entitlement funding was used on cheese, poultry, and red meat between 2012 and 17, and that is compared to 65 to 75% between 2006 and 2011. By the way, the economists also noted some other changes in the way fruits and vegetables were served. Schools moved to serving canned vegetables that were low salt and fruit that was packed in light syrup. Plus, schools started offering products like frozen broccoli and spinach. Keep in mind, the ERS study comes as the White House is preparing to convene a hunger and nutrition summit this month. It'll put fresh focus, a fresh focus on obesity and diet-related health problems. War puts a crack in Ukraine's walnut crop. Just about all of Ukraine's farmers have been negatively affected by Russia's invasion. Turns out that also includes the country's walnut producers. Ukrainian walnut farmers are now preparing to go to the orchards for this year's harvest, but they're only expecting to produce 95,500 metric tons. It's a 17% decrease from last year, according to a new analysis from the USDA Foreign Agriculture Service. Less than ideal weather has been a problem this year, but the bigger issue is that many of the orchards, they're in areas overrun by the Russian military. Finally, here's today's He Said It. It just dawned on me. I was supposed to let her speak first. That President Biden mid-speech in announcing economic development grant recipients. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo politely waited her turn. 
Well, that's Daybreak West for this Tuesday, September 6th. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak West, I'm Jeff Daly.